Good morning, Lakeview Church. So good to hear that. It is so good to be back with you. I've been away the last couple of Sundays. Some of you didn't even notice, um, which is fine. I get it. I get it. Um, But man, we had a great time. We were up in Wisconsin. Uh, For those of you that don't know, we go to Wisconsin every summer. Um, Rita's parents have a just this lovely little lake home on a, a little small lake up in Wisconsin, and so we drive up into the North Woods of Wisconsin, and we just get up there, and I just have a, there's a little spot where I go, and they got these nice zero-gravity chairs that they have on their back patio, and just overlooks the lake, and I just get in one of those chairs with a cup of coffee and a book, and it's just, it's just beautiful. I don't even know how else to say it. It's just beautiful. And uh, got some time away, got to just recharge my batteries and just have some time of rest and reflection and just a good time with family. Uh, and so uh, it, was, it was good to be away, but it is good to be back. And I've been looking forward to being with you. And before I go any further in this message, just want us to take a moment, and uh, you're going to think he's not here, but I promise you he's here. Pastor Jared is up in the, the, the booth. He's way up there. He's running the slides. Um, so we'll find out what I'm speaking on here in a little bit when he puts the slides up. So hopefully he's got the slides I gave him. Uh, but Pastor Jared served us so well over the last four weeks Just a a man that's called by God, gifted by God, and a man who takes his call and his gifting seriously, and he puts in the work to study the scriptures and prepare messages, and over the last four weeks just opened up the word of God to us from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, and I just believe in expressing honor and gratitude where that is due, and I know you've already given him a round of applause, but he may not have heard you since he's up in the booth, so can we thank him one more time for his work? This morning, we're going to start a brand new series, and this series kind of comes out of what I talked to you about uh, in the last series where I was preaching, and really, we ended that series as we kind of looked at the prophet Isaiah, and we talked about the fact that God is sending us, and at the end of that message, we had two people who came forward and knelt at this altar on this side and said, I believe God is calling me to be a foreign missionary. And we had three people that knelt on this side and said, I believe God is calling me into pastoral ministry. And then dozens and dozens of you stood and said, I believe God's calling me to be an everyday missionary, to represent him in the places where he has put me, whether that's in my home or my neighborhood or my work environment or out in the community. Community. And so this series I'm calling Live Sent. And this series is really designed to equip us to be the kind of people that you said you wanted to be, to be people who were on mission with God as everyday missionaries or foreign missionaries or in pastoral ministry. How do we live as people who have been sent and commissioned by God to be on mission with him in this world. And so the next three weeks, beginning today and then the next two Sundays, we're gonna study the person of Jonah. 
And we're going to go back to this Old Testament book. It's just a small little book. You can read it in just a few minutes. And uh, it's, it's an interesting story, right? This guy who's a prophet of the Lord is called by God to go uh, to this other place and to share this message that God's laid on his heart with these people to let them know that if they don't repent, that God's going to destroy them, basically. And, uh, and, and so Jonah decides, that's not for me. And he goes in the other direction. He gets on a boat and just sails completely in the opposite direction, except you can't escape from the Lord. Jonah forgot that. And so God chases Jonah down, big storm. They throw him overboard. God sends a fish to swallow Jonah whole. And Jonah has the first come to Jesus meeting of the Bible in the belly of that fish. He literally encounters God in the belly of the fish and and he begins to understand, I can't run away from the Lord. So he gets thrown up on the shore, which is pleasant to think about. And And then he decides to do what God's asked him to do. He goes to Nineveh, preaches the message God's laid on his heart and the entire city repents. From the highest official all the way down to the person cleaning the streets, they, they, they literally, everybody from top to bottom, from inside to out, everybody in the city returns to God. And of course, Jonah gets angry at God for doing this great work through his life. This is the story of Jonah. And it's a story that we're going to unpack over the next couple of weeks because I think in this story there are some really important lessons that we can learn that will help us live on mission with God. I think two of the most important themes that come out of the story of Jonah are this theme of obedience, right? And, and really, if we were to define obedience, we could just say that obedience is simply knowing and doing God's will. And Jonah clearly knows what God's will is in this situation. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah knew what God wanted him to do. He understood God's plan. And and then he decided to go in the opposite direction. He disobeyed. He did not obey what the Lord wanted him to do. And so one of the themes of Jonah is this theme of obedience because God wants his people to know his will and to do his will. And that's really what we're going to talk about this morning. But the other theme in the story of Jonah is that God doesn't just want you to do the right thing. He wants you to do it with the right heart. See, a lot of us in in the church today, we, we might understand that God wants us to do the right thing, but we don't always understand that the way our heart is while we're doing that right thing actually matters. Right? It's not just the positions you hold, it's the dispositions that you hold as well. And, and so part of what we learn in Jonah is not just that Jonah learns that you shouldn't disobey, you should obey and do what God wants you to do, but we also discover that what God's trying to do in Jonah's life is he's trying to change his heart. Because there's actually a point in the story after Jonah does what God wants him to do and God saves the whole city and everybody's brought back to God that Jonah gets angry with God. It's fascinating when you look at the story because, I mean, you would think Jonah would say, praise God, look at how God has worked. God used me in a powerful way, but that's not what happens at all. Jonah says, this is what I knew you were going to do. 
I knew you were going to save these lousy people. And I didn't want you to save them. I knew your heart. You're a gracious God. You're slow to anger. It's so easy for you to forgive. And I didn't want these people to be forgiven. They don't believe in you and they don't follow you and they deserve what's coming to them. And the end of the book of Jonah is not about teaching Jonah to obey. It's about teaching Jonah to have God's heart. God doesn't just want us to share the message of God with the world. He wants us to do that. But while we're doing that, he wants us to have a heart that actually desires for the world to be saved. And it's these two things together, a heart aligned with God's heart for the world and a willingness to do whatever God is asking us to do to be on mission with him that he's looking for in his people who are committed to living their lives as sent ones for him. And so today we're going to begin by talking about this, the importance of obedience, this theme of obedience that runs through the story of Jonah. And it's important for you to just kind of get a little bit of context here. Uh, it's not just that these are people who don't believe in God and they're like Jonah's neighbors and he like barbecues with them and, and, and God's just saying, hey, Jonah, can you tell your friends about me? It's really important to understand that Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. And Assyria are uh, this, this nation of people who are not just people who don't believe in the God of Israel, and they're not just people who don't follow the God of Israel's ways and teachings. These are people who hate Israel. They actually want Israel to be destroyed. And given any opportunity, the Assyrians would attack Israel so that they could literally wipe them off the face of the earth. These are the people that we're talking about when we're talking about Nineveh and the nation that Nineveh represents. And it's fascinating, really, when you understand that context, that God would come to Jonah and say, Jonah, these people over here who don't believe in me, they don't follow me, and they hate you, and they hate my people, I want you to go and tell them that they can repent. If they don't repent, I'm going to destroy them. But if they do repent, I will welcome them back. I will forgive their sins. And I will, I will actually relent from judging them. Even though they haven't believed in me. And they haven't followed me. And, and they hate you. And they want to destroy my people. If they will repent, I will welcome them back in. And don't we just see the heart of God in that? I mean, think about whoever it is that you think is beyond God's capability to reach and redeem and welcome back. Think about the people who stand opposed to you and to your way of life. Think about Patriots fans. (laughs) Who are the people that you don't like, maybe even the people that you hate. Get them in your mind. 
Because those are the people God wants to reach. God says to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go and take this message to these people. People who don't believe in me, they don't follow me, they don't, they don't love me, they hate you and they want to destroy you. Go to those people, Jonah, by yourself. Go to those people and tell them, I am getting ready to pour out my wrath on them and I will destroy them unless they repent. Just a fun weekend getaway, right? You can kind of understand why Jonah's like, nope. I mean, when you really understand the context, this is not Jonah, I need you to look over the fence in your backyard and talk to your neighbor. This isn't, hey, I need you to go over to your family's you know, house and, and talk to them about Jesus. This isn't, this isn't what Jonah's being asked to do. He's being asked to go to his enemies and tell them that there's a way back into God's good graces. And Jonah's like, I, I think I'm out. He goes down to the port, he buys a ticket, and he goes in the exact opposite direction. And I love how the story tells us why he's doing that. He's trying to escape from the Lord. Good luck. Good luck. But that's what he's trying to do. Why? Because he does not want to do what the Lord is asking him to do. This is a story about obedience. It's about other things too, but it's a story at its heart about obedience. And that's what I want to talk to you about just for a few minutes today. If we were to define obedience, we could define it this way. It is doing the will of God. So whatever God desires for us to do, it is about knowing what that will is and then following through in faith and in obedience and doing what God is asking us to do. In order to do that, you have to hear God's voice. You have to understand what God wants you to do so that you can put it into practice and begin to do it. Jonah hears the word of the Lord. He knows what God wants him to do, but instead of following through in obedience, Jonah goes the opposite direction and he disobeys the Lord. So what I want to talk to us about just for a little bit this morning is just how do we kind of understand this whole call of God upon our lives to be obedient to him? And what are the things that would drive us to be obedient to God? What are the motivations in our life that would actually compel us to want to obey him? And what are the barriers that stand in our way? And then if we want to overcome those barriers, what are some strategies that we can implement in our lives so that we can become people who obey the Lord? So I haven't preached in a few weeks, so I got a lot of stuff. I'm going to try to do it as quick as I can. But before we go any further, can we just pray one more time and ask the Lord to speak to us in these moments? Let's pray together. God, as we jump in to this teaching on the importance of obedience and how to become people who obey your word and your will and your way. Would you open our ears 
that we could hear you speaking to us in these moments. And would you make us people that you can trust to obey your will and your plan so that your purposes can be accomplished in this world. We give this time to you now and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. We think about obedience. I think it is important for us to just think about like what are the things that actually fuel obedience in our lives? To put it another way, like why should you obey God? I mean, other than the fact that he's God. Right? I mean, that's a given. But, but like, what are the motivations that actually drive obedience? Why would we want to obey the Lord? And as I thought about that, I think there are kind of maybe uh, three things that uh, ought to drive our obedience. And I'm going to start with kind of the most inner one that's most maybe personal or interior to us. And, and it's, it's this fact that when we obey God, there is this deep sense of personal satisfaction that we experience. Now, lest you think I'm just saying this is all about us, I'm not saying that at all. There, there are more things we're gonna talk about, but I want you just to understand that one of the core reasons to obey the Lord is that when you obey the Lord, there's something inside of you that says, I was made for this. And you experience a satisfaction or you can call it fulfillment or peace or joy or contentment. You can put whatever label you want to put on it. But when you're doing what God wants you to do, there is something inside of you that just feels right. And we look at verses like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where we are told that you are God's masterpiece or you're his work of art. You are, you are his handiwork. And when you're living your life the way God intends you to live your life, you are putting his handiwork on display. You are letting people see his artistry at work. And when you continue to read Ephesians 2.10, what you find is that the reason that, or the way that we actually put his handiwork on display is by doing the good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. Which means if you want people to know how great God is and how wonderful his handiwork is, the only way to do that is by being obedient to God. And when you're obedient to what God has planned for your life, you are doing the good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. And in that moment, you are living life the way God intended you to live your life. And there is nothing that feels better than that. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that when you obey God, everything will be easy. I didn't say that. Sometimes obeying God may put you in places where it is incredibly difficult and hard and challenging, where things don't always go your way and it's not always fun and it's not always happy and life is not always great. But when you're doing what God has created you to do, there is something inside of you that says, this is right and this is good and this is what I was made for. So much of the brokenness and heartache and challenge of our world could be solved with this one truth. 
that if people could understand the only way to find true satisfaction and meaning and joy and contentment is to discover what God wants you to do with your life and then to do that. Because what people are doing right now is they are trying to find that feeling which can only be found in doing what God created you for. They're trying to find it in everything else. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You gotta find what God wants for your life and do that. And when you do, there's a deep sense of satisfaction. The second reason to obey God is that when we obey God, others around us are blessed as they see God's work in and through us. This makes sense, right? When God says, I want you to go and serve that person or I want you to go and in compassion minister to that need or I want you to go and express love to this person or this group of people in this way and we follow through in obedience, people are blessed by those good works. They're actually blessed by us doing what God wants us to do. Right? And in fact, this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 where God calls Abram and he says, Abram, I'm going to bless you and every nation on this earth is going to be blessed through you. This is the call of God's people. Right? It started with Abram, but it stretches all the way to the present day because we are part of that blessing. Right? We are blessed and our calling is to be a blessing to others. And when we do what God's asking us to do, others are blessed. Not only are they blessed when we serve them directly, but they are, people are blessed as they observe you being obedient to God. There are people in your life that you may not be directly serving, but they're watching you. I mean, I just want you to know that in case you didn't know that if you claim the name of Christ in a public way, there are people around you who are watching you even if you're not aware of it. I know that you may not think about this, but they're watching what you post on social media. They're watching. And you know how I know? Because they talk to me about it. I've literally had people in the community talk to me about people that they see who claim the name of Christ, but then they post things on social media and people will come to me as a pastor and say, make sense of this for me. People are watching you. So when you actually do what God's asking you to do and you live in the way that God wants you to live all the time, when people are watching and when people aren't watching, even though they probably still are, you are a blessing to others as they watch you live out your convictions in every situation and in every circumstance. But the third and most important reason for us to be obedient, not just because it brings satisfaction and fulfillment to us, not just because it blesses others, those are really important things, but because when we obey, we are glorifying God. Right, Ephesians 2.10, how do we put God's handiwork on display? We do the good things he's asked us to do. And when we do that, people look at God and say, man, that artist must be really, really good. And it glorifies him. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, when he says, you ought to let your good deeds shine out for everyone to see 
so that they will praise your heavenly father. In other words, people who are watching you, they see you live your life in the way God wants you to live your life. And as you do the good things God's asking you to do and you fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life, as you do all of that, people see that and they glorify your father who is in heaven. Listen, the way of obedience is not always easy. In fact, most times it's hard. How's that for an encouraging word this Sunday morning? The way of obeying God in this world is not always easy. In fact, most times it will be hard. But it is the best possible path you could take you will be deeply satisfied and fulfilled in a life lived in accordance with God's plan. Others around you will be blessed and your God in heaven will be glorified. And when you get to the end of your life, what else could you ask for than to know you've lived life the way God wanted you to live it and people were blessed as a result, and your, your life brought glory and honor to God. That's why we ought to obey. But here's the reality. People like Jonah, we hear the voice of God, and we know what God wants us to do, and if we had all of those three motivations to, to obey in our minds. Maybe we would just always obey in every situation, but we're a lot of times like Jonah. God tells us something to do, and we're like, nope. We just step back. We're like, I don't, I'm going to peace out of that. That is not my, my plan right now. That's going to be hard. That's going to be difficult. That's going to be challenging. So why is it when obedience is the best way? It brings satisfaction. It blesses others. It glorifies God. Why do we not obey all of the time? Well, because there are some barriers to obedience. And I've identified six of them. This is not an exhaustive list, but, but I think these are the six that, that I have encountered in my life. And I suspect you've encountered one or more of them in your life. I'm going to run through them pretty quickly here. The first one is what I call the knowledge barrier. And the knowledge barrier basically says, I don't know or understand what God wants me to do. Right? And, and think about it. There are times in your life where you're simply not hearing the voice of God. Maybe it's because you're too busy. Maybe it's because your life is too noisy. You've allowed noises from the world to crowd out the voice of God. Or maybe it's just because God is speaking, but you're just not quite clear on what he's asking you to do. Now, Jonah does not have this excuse. He clearly hears the voice of God. He knows what God wants him to do, and he chooses to disobey anyway. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes here. But, but the reality is, is that there are times when we don't know what God wants us to do. And if we don't know, we're stuck sitting still. We're just like, God, I don't know what's next. What am I supposed to do in this situation? And that's a barrier to obedience. The, the second barrier is what I call the logical barrier. And this is, this is when, when what God's asking us to do doesn't make sense. Have you ever had a moment where you're like, I think God has lost it? Like this, the math doesn't add up. 
The steps that he's asking me to take seem like that's not the way I would do it if I was the God of the universe, so it must be wrong. Have you ever had this experience in your life? I've had this experience. There have been times where it seems like, God, this, this is not going to work. This does not make any sense. I suspect Jonah felt a little bit of this. God, why would you send me to these people who don't know you, who don't love your people, who actually want to destroy your people? Why do you care? This doesn't make sense. This is a barrier that keeps us from obeying. The next one is the fairness barrier, right? Where we think we deserve better than this. Like, God, what you're asking me to do is you're asking me to sacrifice. You're asking me to humble myself. You're asking me to do the thing that I don't think I ought to be asked to do in this situation. It's just not fair. I remember one time in my life where I had a group of people that that did some things that really hurt me, like significantly hurt me. And I remember uh, being, being injured by this group of people, and I remember kind of uh, taking that very, very personally, and that injury actually went down into my soul and started to grow a root of bitterness there. I know none of you have ever had things like this happen to you, but it's happened to me. And I remember moving away from where this group of people were located and and I remember spending time in prayer and reflecting and journaling and, and I was fine as long as I didn't think about those people. But somebody would bring those people up and then I was just like, you ever have that kind of moment in your prayer where you're just like, just get them, Lord. I was having that kind of conversation with the Lord one day and the Lord said, you need to call them and apologize. I was like, come again? I don't think you understand, Lord. Let me remind you of what you clearly have forgotten. It's not fair, Lord. Why should I have to reach out to those people who clearly were in the wrong and tell them I'm sorry? And the Lord said, because the attitude you have in your heart towards them is ungodly. And I still fought with the Lord for a little while, but like Jonah, you can't escape from the Lord. And so eventually I had to call those people and apologize and say, I'm sorry for harboring a root of bitterness in my soul. I have not been pleasing to the Lord. Now that relationship was restored. And when you mention those people to me today, there is no anger There is no vengeance. There is no wrath towards them. What they did was wrong. But the relationship has been healed and it's been restored. Sometimes God asks us to do things that don't seem fair. We got to do it anyway. The next barrier is the impossible barrier. Have you ever had a moment where God asks you to do something and you're like, that's not going to work? Tried that before? I've been down this road, Lord. Let me, let me explain to you, Lord, how this works. 
right? And, and, and just hearing it like that, it's like, how do we think we're that arrogant before the Lord? And yet we often are. God, what you're asking us to do is not going to work. That's silly. And we got to be reminded that, wait a minute, God, God might know what he's doing. And if he does know what he's doing, even if it seems like it's never going to work, maybe it's going to work. Because God can do that kind of stuff. The next one is the fear barrier. Have you ever had a moment where God asks you to do something and you think to yourself, if I do this, something negative might happen? Like, I could, I could be laughed at or rejected or uh, people might not like me. Uh, I, I might find myself pushed out of this group if I do what God's asking me to do. I might lose my job if I'm faithful to what God's asking me to do. People, people might post about me on social media. They might attack me for my views on this issue. And so we, we just step out of it because we're afraid negative things might happen. I think this comes up when, when God's prompting our heart to talk to people about him. I think we fill ourselves with all kinds of lists of things that might happen to us. Like they might laugh at me. They might not want to be my friend anymore. They might not trust me anymore. Uh, they, they might think I'm weird. We already think you're weird. It's all right. Like, right? like but, but we, we come up with this list of things. Sometimes we even force ourselves to be afraid of, of what probably will never happen. Like they might ask me a question and I might not know the answer. Well, there's a, I'll give you the answer to every question when you don't know the answer. It's really simple. You just say, I don't know. Right? But we often, when we think God's prompting us to talk to people about him, we think, what if they ask some really hard theological question and I don't know the answer to it? And, and we use those excuses to make ourselves so afraid that we're like, I can't do what God's asking me to do because negative things might happen to me. Well, sometimes God asks us to put ourselves out there. So that on his behalf, we are risking something for him, right? I will not offer to God something that costs me nothing. But I will put myself out there when God asks me to do it. So there's the fear barrier. And then the last one is the rebellion barrier. This one doesn't need an excuse or a reason. It just says, I'm just am interested in going my own way right now. Right? I, God, it doesn't matter asking me to do. I just want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and, and we'll settle up later, right? And sometimes that's a barrier to obedience. Now, here's the thing. Obedience matters to God. We learn this from the story of Jonah because Jonah goes in the opposite direction, and he might have good reasons to do so. I mean, think about it. He's going to the capital city of his nation's arch enemy. They are getting ready to hear a message about God's wrath and destruction that is coming upon them. It is not likely that Jonah is going to make it out of this ministry trip. 
right? I mean, it's like kamikaze missionary, right? Just like flying in to the face of the enemy and probably not going to make it out on the other side. That's where Jonah's going. So it kind of makes sense that Jonah would say, can I get a ticket on that boat going the other way? He's got good reasons, and yet you can't escape from the Lord. Why? Because obedience matters to God. So how do we cultivate in our lives a posture of obedience towards him? First of all, learn to listen to God. If you're going to overcome the knowledge barrier, the only way to do that is to actually listen for the voice of God. Now, I mentioned it earlier, but some of you are too busy to hear God's voice. You're running a thousand miles an hour. You're filling your life with all kinds of stuff. And maybe you're filling your life with all of that stuff and maybe filling your kids' lives with all of that stuff because if you slow down for even a second, you might recognize your life is not quite as fulfilling as you want it to be. And so you just ramp up the treadmill. It's like, I'm not gonna think about it. I'm not gonna think about it. But what if, what if the life that God is calling us to live requires us to slow down the treadmill? Would we be willing to do that if that's what it required? I think some of us are too busy to hear the voice of God. And we need to become less busy. Because the world needs a group of people who are tuned in to what God is saying. And if God can't find that in his church, where is he going to find it? I think the church has allowed itself to be pushed into the mold of the world, which now wears busyness as a badge of honor. It's fascinating when you ask people, how are you doing? One of the most common responses in our day is, I am so busy. Which is not an answer to the question posed. I didn't ask you, what are you doing? I asked how you are. And you gave me a response about what you're doing. Maybe it's because you want me to think you're that important. We got to slow down if we want to hear the voice of God. Some of us have our lives so noisy that even if God were shouting with a megaphone, we would not hear him. We're listening to podcasts and 24-hour news and we're scrolling through social media and we've got 42 shows we're trying to binge by the end of the week so that we can keep up because we've got this huge fear of missing out and our lives are so noisy that even if God were shouting with a megaphone, we wouldn't be able to discern his voice. Our general superintendent, Dr. Wayne Schmidt, has said that he will only spend as much time consuming media as he has spent in the word of God. For some of you, you would have to 
be starved of all other media because the time you're spending in the word is little to zero. Our lives are too noisy to hear the voice of God. So what I'm calling us to as a church is that we would make God's voice the most important voice in our lives. How can we do God's will if we don't know it? And how can we know God's will if we don't hear his voice? Let's slow down and let's crowd out the noise of this world so that we have space and God can speak and he doesn't even have to yell. He can whisper and we'll hear him. We got to learn to listen to the voice of God. Secondly, we have to actually submit to God's leadership. Listening to God's voice deals with the first barrier of knowledge, but, but when we get to the other barriers, we actually need to submit to God's leadership. I, I, just, I'm, I was looking at these, uh, these lists, you know, the lists we made of all the barriers, and I was thinking to myself, once you get past the knowledge barrier and you know what God wants you to do, then you get down to just, are you submitted to God's leadership or not? Right, like, like I just, I wrote down here, how do we overcome the logical barrier, right? We do this by submitting to God's leadership, by saying, God, even though I don't understand, I will still obey. How can we expect to know everything that is in the mind of God? So we just trust him. Because we know that he knows what he's doing and he's good and he's loving he wants what's best for us, so we submit and we do what he's asking us to do. The fairness barrier, we say, God, even though I think I deserve better than this, I'm gonna still obey. I'm gonna do what you're asking me to do. When things are impossible, God, even though this isn't gonna work, I'm still going to obey. When we think about things that we are afraid of, even though negative things might happen, God, I'm still going to obey because even if it costs me something, it will be worth it if I'm doing what you've asked me to do. And God, I'm done going my own way. I'm going to always go the direction you have for me. I will not rebel against you. I'll do what you're asking me to do. See, these other barriers of obedience are only overcome when we submit ourselves, when we actually let God be God in our lives. This is just the issue of lordship. And as we learn to listen to God's voice and we submit to God's leadership, then all that's left is to follow through in faith, to do what God is asking us to do, to put it into practice. And as you, as you know, you listen to God's voice, you know what God wants you to do, you hear him, you're like, okay, God, I know what you want me to do and I'm submitted to your leadership. So whether it's gonna cost me or this seems crazy or this doesn't make any sense, I'm gonna do it. Then we just, we, we take the journey. We do what God is asking us to do. And as we do, personal satisfaction. I'm doing what God created me to do. And people are being blessed. And God is being glorified. And it is worth it. So as we close today, I just want to ask you one simple question. How committed are you to obeying God? How committed are you 
to obeying God. Several centuries before Christ, there was a man named Alexander, and he conquered almost all of the known world through military strength, cleverness, and a bit of diplomacy. And there's a story told, I, I don't know the veracity of it, but, but there's a story told about Alexander and a small company of soldiers that went to a fortified city, a walled city. And, and when they arrived at the gate of the city, they called for the king of that city to come to the gates. And when the king arrived at the gates, Alexander looked at the king and said to the king, I want you to surrender to me. And the king kind of laughed and said, why would I surrender to you? Uh, we're inside the walls of this city and you're out there. You've got a small company of soldiers and we are, we are well fortified here behind these great walls. Why would we surrender? We're in the better position here. Alexander is said to have called his soldiers into formation, into a single file line, and he began to march them directly towards a sheer cliff that was nearby. And one by one, the soldiers at the front of that line marched to their death. They literally marched right off the cliff because Alexander had given them the command to march and he had not given them the command to stop. After a few soldiers had given their lives for their leader, Alexander called them back into formation in front of the city gate and he reiterated to the king his call, surrender to me now. And it is said that the king in that moment surrendered his city because he realized that Alexander's men would pay whatever price necessary to accomplish the vision of their leader. I just repeat the question to you, how committed are you to obeying God? When God looks down at your life, when God looks down at Lakeview Church, does he find a group of people who are fully committed? Not kind of committed, not committed when it makes sense or when it's convenient, not mostly committed, but fully committed to obeying his direction for our lives, no matter what it might cost us, so that we would pay whatever price necessary to fulfill the vision of our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. How committed are we to obeying our God? Let's pray together. God, we come before you in this moment. And Lord, I pray that you would let that question ring in our hearts and our souls and our minds over this next week. How committed are we to obeying you? God, you're looking for a group of people who are fully committed. Every moment of every day, in every situation, and in every circumstance, so that no matter the price, no matter what it will cost us, we will be willing to obey you so that your vision for this world can be fulfilled. 
God, as we continue to think about what it takes to be everyday missionaries, help us to understand the importance of obedience. And make us into the kind of people that listen to your voice, submit to your leadership, and follow through in faith. For what you do, God, we're gonna give you the thanks and praise. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.